Well, welcome to this long overdue. I don't even want to look back at the, how long it's been since we put out an episode of this, uh, but we thought it was hilarious because people kept liking it on Facebook, and I think we're up to like 37 people now, but apparently people still have an interest in it, so we figured we might as well catch up and use it as an excuse. Um, yeah, we're going to use this as a catch-up episode, I think, just to get a gauge of where everybody's at and what's going on. So I'm sure we'll rant about a thing or two. Something will come up. Yeah, we got to get a topic list going, which I don't think will be hard, especially uh, with some of the stuff going on in the world today. Yeah, no shit. But first, as always, and I say that because this is episode three, so that's always, um, we got to do our bourbon whiskey review and what we're drinking this evening. So I will lead it off. So I, side note, bought a Sam's Club membership today. Oh, that place is absolutely hellaciously crazy. Yeah. I walked around for about 30 minutes to find rice, but that's a side story. Uh, (laughs) But while I was there, I picked up this Maker's Mark cask strength. Um, Not not super well versed in my cask strength bourbons, but the couple I've had, although, yeah, they're super strong, they have this weird kind of mix of this uh, really fiery, smoky flavor with particularly, I'm hoping, uh, makers will have a sweet finish as well. But uh, So that's what I'm drinking. I like that they write on the bottle with supposedly a pencil, but we'll see. <laughs> and? That's not at all like I thought it would be. <laughs> That's really good. I don't know that I've had that one. I enjoy some Maker's Mark, but I don't know that I've had cast strength before. It's not so much. All the other cast strength ones I've had have been like really kind of almost like rubbing alcohol at first. Yeah. But then they settle down for a flavor. This one is, uh, this one's sick worthy. Um, I give it mm, out of five glasses, remember. Out of five glasses, oh, wow. I'll give it a four. Four yeah. even. Because that's pretty good. So I am semi-cheating because I've tried this just for my birthday. Uh, but I have not drank. That means it's been a month since I've had a little bit of it. Um, this is, I believe it's Balcones or Balconies. Um, it's out of Texas. Where I am not sure. Waco, actually out of Waco, Texas. Got this from my sister and her boyfriend. Um, it is a baby blue. Yeah. Dr. Pepper, Sergeant Pepper is one. <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, it is uh, made from roasted blue corn. Uh, not gonna lie, I hadn't had a lot of corn whiskey. From what I think I had heard, it's usually a little rougher to drink. Um, so I wasn't entirely sure what to expect. Um, refresher now. So it smells sweeter than you think, but it also smells like it's going to be a little harsh, but it's surprisingly smooth with just like a hint of sweetness, which I got to imagine from the blue corn and just the process. So, um, because it's unique, We'll give it a 4.4 because I don't know when I'd ever get this ever again. <laughs> so, and for a future episode, I've got a really cool birthday bourbon story um, that came full circle for me on that, but we'll save that for a later date. That means we have to make more than one or two a year. Yes, yes, we will because I'll forget the story. And then <laughs> going for second round, um, I've been on, I see what how cheap of bourbon I can, or whiskey I can go without hating it. So if I just wanted to have a glass, but still enjoy it. Um, so I've tried a few different ones. I just find the moderately inexpensive 175s. Um, I've done the original Jesse James American Outlaw bourbon whiskey before. Um, solid, nothing to necessarily write home about, but if you're just looking to have a glass and not break the bank, this will last me well over a month, which is, 
perfect. Um, it's probably my second favorite behind Rebel Yell so far when it comes to this. So we may go back to the Rebel Yell, which I think is only a couple dollars more expensive. But when I say expensive, what about Old Forester? I don't know that. I don't know if I'm gonna venture that far. What? <laughs> Maybe I'll give it a shot. That's what uh, Doc's uncle likes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I really, I, I kind of dug that. I maybe I'll go back and give that a try. I want to find that cedar, the one out of Iowa that I took over there that night. I like that one. I got to figure. Oh out. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, twenty three, twenty four dollars a bottle, solid. We'll do the trick for you. So I don't have a second round. I'm just gonna stick with this. So. Hey, nothing wrong with that. But since it's been six months or more probably more uh, eight hmm. yeah i guess we we both had some big changes in the last as we should uh, things happen last half year or so um i guess you should start because your changes were pretty significant oh yes by title i guess <laughs> Um, yeah, so I decided to go back to school. Um, so I'm doing a PhD in athletic leadership administration, started that in January, currently in my fifth course. So far, so good. Um, I get to take quantitative research the second part of this fall semester and am not looking forward to that at all. Um, but in a sports admin class, which is part of the reason I was late hopping on tonight because I was finishing a paper that was due. Um, so that's good, uh, but that should be interesting. And then kind of along with that, um, earlier this summer, got a bump from a director position to an assistant athletic director position. So just adding more words to my title, uh, but I guess moves me up the pecking order just a tiny bit. So yeah, I got that going on. Some big things going on with our friends. Um, over at the local hospital here. I don't know if they would or would not want to be mentioned on the podcast yeah, that's right. uh, by name, but we're going to hopefully look to do some stuff um, with local fire department and some training. Um, so we got to go and do the tower and all dressed up in the suits, which was really eye-opening and unique. Uh, and then we are in the process of kicking off a youth initiative in about a month. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're trying to drum up some excitement for yeah just a lot of stars aligned and i heard enough things from enough people and said hey maybe we should do this thing um and we're gonna give it a shot so it should be pretty cool yeah that's the one thing i didn't hear about yeah that just kind of came up in the last couple of weeks so it's been a quick turnaround so oh and our impromptu mascot, if you're watching the video, has now rejoined us. This is Atticus the Cat. That I have almost never seen for more than just a flash. Yep. As he ran away, even <laughs> though I've been to your house quite a few times. What's new and exciting with you? You had many a trip up and down the interstate. So. <laughs> yeah, so... Last time, I remember last time we talked, because all I had was beer in my fridge. Yep. Um, and I was still living in Fort Worth, still doing my master's. And I'm currently sitting in my new house, not owned house, but where I'm living for hopefully the next four years, in Urbana, Illinois, uh, where I am now a PhD student as well uh, at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Um, I feel like even though we're, we're not really going to have that many people's eyes laid on this video, I still have to throw out the, uh, the old disclaimer that these are my opinions and this is my behavior, not a reflection of University of Illinois, not a reflection of my advisor, not a reflection of our lab group, just me. Um, but yeah, second, yeah. Uh, I'm studying kinesiology, uh, with a focus in exercise physiology, just like I did my master's under Dr. Nicholas Bird. Uh, we're a nutrition laboratory with also a little bit of background in exercise. So basically the combination of both 
for healthy aging, uh, muscle hypertrophy, just general life performance, which is quite a change from the athletic performance lab I was a part of at TCU. So hoping I can become quite a bit more well-rounded as a scientist and uh, hopefully have more of an impact than just working with athletes, even though someday I hope to get back that way. So I think that would be actually be kind of a good topic as you were talking about that, like, A, you know, just asking, like, what are your goals and why you're continuing to go down the path? You just referenced it a little bit, but not that people have gotten to know either one of us via this podcast because there's only been two of them. Um, but we kind of referenced it a little bit, like, if people knew you, like, how many people do you think would have been like, yeah, PhD, professor, you know, working with athletes, that would be the path that Andy's going to go. Be very varied, <laughs> depending on where they met me and where they know me from. Well, right, but just like, what's drawn you to that? Um, you think, over the course of, you know, because you probably could have gone into coaching, you're still trying to train at an extremely high level. You know, there's been a lot of opportunity for you there. Like, what brought you into this path? And what are the ultimate goals in a little bit more detail? Yeah. So I actually had to think about this for, for my PhD application because they ask a question along those lines, like, not just what are your goals, but why are they your goals and your best idea? Um, and I think it kind of started when I was real young. Um my grandfather, although he passed when I was in eighth grade, he was a very influential person, albeit not very enjoyable to be around all of the time. But he was he was first generation U.S. citizen, came over with his parents uh, back in the day, and they started with nothing. They worked and worked and worked, and uh, he ended up being a lawyer for a long time, and he was pretty self-made as far as that goes. And so when I was growing up, he, I remember I told him I didn't like to read and he yelled at me. He said, books are everything you need to learn. It's all about education. And while it certainly wasn't a good way to deliver the message in the way he did it when I was young, uh, it certainly stuck with me. So growing up, I was all about trying to get good grades, not even trying to get good grades. I was always kind of the know-it-all. It wasn't like know-it-all to spite everyone around me. It was just like, I always wanted to know why, I wanted to know how. And so, although that was kind of overshadowed by sports when I was in high school, when I met uh, Matt, Andre, and AJ, uh, it all kind of came to this culmination of finding research. And at first it was just a way to get into the exercise and sports science program at UWL. And then it just kind of became this avenue that I could answer the why and the how before other people did. Uh, so you get you get to posit different uh, theories, and no one can tell you that you're wrong unless they have data or they, whatever. But you get you get to be new and innovative, and you get to be uh, kind of a pioneer if you get good enough at doing this whole science thing. And that was really appealing to me. So. Um, I started my little business and I was making decent money, took a part of another business, but although the money was coming in, it just didn't fulfill me like I thought it would. So I thought I'd try masters, see if I, I could cut it out and make it through masters. And during the masters, I just fell in love with research more and more. So came to do a PhD, um, I came to do, consciously came to do a PhD in a very different area than I did my master's because the area that I did my master's being more athletic performance based, while it's certainly one of my passions, it's not as impactful to the general world. Um, most people who care about that stuff are only going to watch big guys hit each other on Sundays. So, um, your your reach is kind of limited in that and it might be cool and interesting but i also want to try to make a difference so i came here hoping to certainly bring up some weaknesses in my my knowledge base being nutrition and 
kind of more classic exercise physiology. So I can hopefully uh, be a PI or uh, co-PI or director, whatever, of the lab someday. Hopefully back up by you um, with those friends that we were talking about. Um, making more of an impact than just making people bigger, faster, and stronger. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. No, I think that's all. I had thought about it a lot. Usually, like, usually I wouldn't have had that much of an insightful answer, but that's just happened to be one of the PhD application questions. Right, that's well, well timed, well timed. What about you? You have, you went through, you were, so before I knew you, you were head at, or no, right when I met you, you were just head at AT, right? Because Kevin was still around? Yep, if Kevin was still around, then I was just head AT. And then you took two full-time positions, and then kind of went from an interim to just stepping into the spot, and now you're in assistant athletic director territory. What do you think you want to end up doing? Um... Well, to be honest with you, part of the reason I took the interim is because we failed a search. Uh, we tried to hire, I think, a guy. Yeah, I think it was just one, and he turned us down. Um, and then the other candidates just weren't the right fit. And when they asked me to do the interim, it was mainly because I really didn't want anybody to screw up what Kevin had built. Because uh, I thought what he had built was really good. Um, and then things kind of started rolling and we we're just looking at the impact that it could make kind of helped me decide to stay over both. Um, Cause I think we were trending a lot of things in the right direction and just the freedom um, that both AT and SPC would have was sharing up budgets and just the crossover was going to be so huge. So that was the reason I definitely wanted to stay in with that. Um, the reason for the switch in title wasn't anything I pushed, but was something that our AD was pushing because I oversaw more than one department. Um, and she thought it was something that I deserved in that regard, which I wasn't going to argue with her. Um, yeah, thing to argue. Yeah. And so really everybody's like, oh, you get the new job, like the new title. What does that mean? Like, Nothing other than my business card's going to change. Because I'm literally doing the exact same job. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hoping it opens up some avenues because now with my elevation, I can potentially hire a, like directors underneath me, which opens up some things um, just with the complexity that is the college. Yeah. It's, um, that can, that could be really good for the overall health of the department. I'm um, honestly going back to school. Uh, it's something I had always kind of thought about, but never was going to pull the trigger. And then UWL implemented a tuition reimbursement plan uh so i basically can get a phd for half the cost yeah uh, which was kind of the thing it's like well if i'm ever going to do this newly married no kids yet if i don't start now i'm never going to start because life's never going to not be busier and so yeah. i pushed to get going and it was actually interesting i found out i got in on like a thursday or something and class started Monday. Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, hold on. Like, I'm stressing out because it's a PhD program. Something is going to be the hardest thing in the world. Um, God, trying to figure out to do my first discussion question. Oh. Um, anywho, we made it through. Um, but I've always been fascinated by leadership and have done a lot of looking at it in the long run. Um, and so it just made sense to do a program because a I think you found it and kind of alluded to it and it's one for me like it's so much easier to be in school when you want to know the information yeah I had my first class was a leadership class I found it fascinating it's all stuff you kind of knew but it was getting put to like it was laying a framework for it and so now I go to anything I can where there's a leader in quotes, you know, whatever that entails talking. And I just observe. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to accomplish. 
some policy classes, which most people would be like, that sounds like it sucks, but policy is part of my life. Um, when it comes to all the different things in athletic training and sports performance, so getting more background there, and even the quantitative analysis I was joking about before the thing, like, I, need, I enjoy research. I enjoy reading it. I want to do a bunch of it. I've got three of my own studies I want to get done even before I get to my dissertation because it actually helped me. Um, with what I hopefully plan to do. So really it's that much easier to do it because I actively want to know the information and yeah. I can find it in my daily life. So like even doing discussion questions, like I ask questions of people, not because I'm trying to get the points, which I am, but because I'm generally curious what their answer is because I want to know what they think. And yeah. so it's a lot easier, but um, the grind of athletics will eventually catch up to me. Um, some changes this year are going to make it a little rough, but I think we'll make it through just with some later practices that hopefully we can adjust next year. But getting elevated into that more just actual director position where it's more behind the desk, making things happen, not so much the day-to-day in the mix stuff is something I could see myself going to and bringing a lot of interest to because of my background. So and I think that's only going to expand. Um, it's expanding at the Division One level, and we'll continue to do so, and that's just going to continue to trickle down because it always does, and D3 is becoming as much of an arms race as anything else. So, yeah. Yeah, I certainly think um... – Athletics is like the as a college as a whole is obviously pretty far behind. Um, college athletics um, is probably leading the pack as far as progression. I think you're getting these implementations of multiple different clinicians within the same kind of housing that's pushing things forward as far as progressions in athlete care and uh athlete development and i think obviously at has a big part of that but it certainly makes things pretty unsteady for the implementation process if you have no longer just an at and a strength coach now you're adding a nutritionist you're adding pts you're adding massage therapists chiros and obviously that's more at the d1 level but certainly at some point it's going to trickle down and then you have these complex interactions of, multi, I mean, communication in athletics is already pretty hard, but then you add more and more uh, liable staff and it just becomes a nightmare. Yeah, I think that's ultimately one that I see myself going to. I've talked to this with a couple of people. Like, I, I'm a big fan of, like, the model of Exos, the sports performance company. Um, just what they've been able to build and how they can implement it in so many places. And because of the brand name they've built, like they can be so successful because people want to be a part of it and want to be there because they know they're going to be operating at an extremely high level. Well, then I look at the guy that's the president, kind of the founder of it, Mark Verstegen. And while I'm assuming he's an extremely intelligent person, you know, and knows his stuff and puts in his time, there's no way he can be the smartest guy in every aspect of everything in that company. Cause it's just too much. Yeah. And that's perfect. And like, I think that's what it needs to be, but I can, I see him as kind of, you know, he's the orchestrator, you know, I need to know what you guys are doing because I can connect you with what these people are doing. And you may have never have known that, but because I'm the conduit, like I can now tie this together and we can make it even that much better. And with our setup we have here, which we are extremely fortunate with, with research, medical, like medicine, um, you know, the sports performance, uh, just all the factors that we have, being kind of that person that's able to go, hey, you were talking about this. Well, guess what? I know a budget that we can utilize to pay for that in order to get it done that you didn't know that existed and vice versa. And so that's where I could ultimately kind of see myself where I'm not really an expert in anything, but know just enough about it, enough things that when someone starts talking to me about it, I can go, wait a second, 
I know exactly the person we need to talk to in order to get this into a, being a real thing. So, yeah, that's certainly um, something that's been hammered home. Obviously, not in athletics, but hammered home in the past whatever month and a half that I've been here. Uh, Nick's big on collaborating with some. I mean, it's usually a certain pe- uh, group of people, but simply because he's really good at this stable isotope model for infusions and muscle protein synthesis. But then anything, this is a little bit over my head as well, but uh, anything like histochemistry related where we don't have the A equipment or B the know-how, we send it off to uh, like Dan Moore in uh, University of Toronto in Canada, someone he did his PhD with. We can send things off to Mike Delisio in Canada. Um, we just had somebody over here uh, from the UK who specializes in glucose and glucose kinetics and all these specialized glucose uh, techniques that uh, we obviously don't know how to do. But the, the beauty of collaboration is that you can be really good at one thing and then the hardest part of collaboration is you have to know you're only good at that one thing. Right. Well, I think that's how you can get th- more things done because what's the point of having eight people doing the same thing and banging their head against the wall where you can get that much more accomplished if people can check some egos at the door and let it yeah. go. Yeah. Like know enough to be dangerous. That's one we're trying to look at and I'm trying to utilize everything we're doing in – um, our sports med stuff and our team and the two people we just hired is finding people that have unique strengths and then let's just maximize the shit out of those strengths. Um, stop trying to fill in weaknesses or make everybody super well-rounded, which obviously they got to be to some degree. Like you have to understand certain things. But not all of us need to go and spend all the time in the world learning the same skill because that doesn't bring anything new. Like, let's have somebody who's really good at a thing where, sure, I can start it, but if I get stuck, I can then go to them because they are seemingly our expert on that thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's the model of people. But I'm trying really hard myself. Was, like, I've read, you know, we were talking FMS and all that, like I've read a lot of the studies and I shared them all with our guy that's doing it now. I've never taken the certification, but I've thought about it. And at this point, like, I don't care. He's into it more than I'm ever going to have the capability to be. So let's just let him go and leverage the hell out of it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think if that's the point of a team, right? A team is supposed to be more than the sum of its component parts. Right. Together, you, I, our group, I think we can blossom into this this thing where we can all contribute in such a way that it doesn't matter what we're doing. It's going to be more than each one of us could have done alone. Proficient, in quote, at Excel. But you a stud at Excel. I'm ridiculously proficient uselessly good at excel (laughs) like there's like one one application that i know of where my skills are warranted and it's the only one that i don't do anymore (laughs) like i don't work with those types of data sets anymore so when aj reached out and he's like hey i'm gonna work with polar i'm like i can help (laughs) no but i mean yeah i mean that's that's essentially you were talking about wanting to be this kind of conduit for the whole group and i think that's essentially if we were to define leadership and what i know about you and what you like to do um i think that's where you fit in perfectly is you're all about you're not, I'm not saying you're like this self-deprecating, but you're certainly about everyone else before you. And it's nice that you're stepping into this position where you're allowed and encouraged to kind of bring 
X, Y, and Z together to make a new, better solution for a current problem. Yep, and it's it's really interesting because I was literally earlier that paper I was referencing. Um, so this athletic administration class I'm in right now, we're talking a lot about like organizational culture and um, emotional intelligence and all these things that you need to do in order to be a leader within this context. And I was talking about a coach that had to like had a very unorthodox way and needed to come in changed everything, had to kind of thin out the herd, you know, people that were bought in and those that weren't. Um, but I got talking about it and, you know, got into the, can you force people that are there to join the culture or do you have to find people that fit your culture? So they're saying this coach would actually go and like screen and interview their, the potential recruits and if they didn't pass that, she didn't even try and sell the school to them. They had to like pass her screening before she would then try and actively sell the school. So she was trying to plug in the right people. Because I've had a lot of people ask me like, oh, you know, would you ever go back to Vision One? And I say, probably not. And they always ask why. And it's just like, well, it'd have to be the perfect fit. And by yeah. that, like, working with people that are willing to check the ego for the overall like betterment and growth of everything else. And that's why I like where I'm at now is that we've found those people for the most part. And even within our little group that we always reference, like we can all ask each other questions, but it's not, nobody takes offense to it because it's all just from a different perspective and somebody read something different because you can never consume it all. Yeah. And that makes it unique. And I think that gets hard, especially at those higher levels because a lot of it is ego driven and that's why those people succeed, but it's also hard to get big things done. Well, I think, I think we certainly, I think I agree a hundred percent, but how I've kind of thought about it is at some level, like everyone has an ego and everyone's going to be sort of arrogant in their own way. But it's a, I guess when you're a huge team driven person, you, the source of your arrogance and the, the target of your ego no longer becomes yourself. It becomes this, this collective so it's not like, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying we're not all willing to learn from others, but like no one's like in a, in a huge, well-oiled team. I think the source of that uh, success is the ego that's team-centric, not, not personal-centric. So it's not a quarterback who's like, I'm the greatest in the, the world. It's like our team is going to beat everyone. And I think the level of ego is still there, but it's just a different source and, and target. I always joke with my students that I want them to ask me questions and look up things and try and be smarter than me. Because then I tell them, I was like, I'll be damned if you ever are going to be smarter than me. Because when you start coming with that, it's I mean this in a good way, is like, I'm going to be competitive in that. Well, now I need to step my game up. Not because I'm trying to put you down, but because you now challenged me in a good way that forces me to get better, which ultimately makes all of it better. Now, you know, I want you to ultimately be smarter than me because then I've done a good job helping you along, but that's also going to drive me and that healthy competition can be a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think being kind of in that transitionary period where Two years ago was the first time I really taught classes and having to work with undergraduate students, which is a whole new animal. Because <laughs> generally, generally, when you talk to grad students, even, even just the difference between like a graduating undergrad and a beginning master's student, it's, it's like night and day because generally speaking, not for everyone, but generally speaking, that incoming grad is going to have a level of motivation that that far 
supersedes that undergraduate, um, that, that means they're going to be much easier to work with and much easier to kind of guide through, not this whole, um, kind of quitting attitude. And I'm not saying all undergraduates are this way, but, um, this is just my experience. So having to work with undergraduates, uh, has kind of taught me that whole, like the value of, I don't know. Right. Oh, like, yeah. it's, it's the whole, like, that's a really good question. Uh, let me, I don't know the answer right now. Let me look it up and I'll, I'll get you an answer next week. It still happens. Like we, when we were all together at dark uncle's house and you and AJ got rolling on something protein and da, 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 and my eyes just like glazed over. Cause you guys were talking so far above my head when it came to that stuff. And it's just like, but it was fine. Like I wasn't like, Oh my God, like I'm such an idiot. It was just like, this is like, this is what you do on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Especially now, <laughs> not a protein metabolism laboratory. Why would I even pretend like I needed to like interject to like show that I have even the slightest bit of knowledge, which I probably don't. In that, I mean, because I don't, but I don't need to. That doesn't affect me. And you guys are doing it, so it's perfect. Yeah, that's the whole team thing. You don't need it. So bottom line, ego is good, but don't let it get in the way of doing something bigger. Yeah. I really, I haven't read it yet, and I want to. I've heard it, really good things. Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. I wish I read, I wish I liked to read books like you do. Yeah, I got too many. I got a pile of, I, and every time I get into one of these things, I've got a pile of seven I need to read right now. <laughs> And I've got at least two going. So, yeah. I have a bookshelf on the other side of this wall. And out of four shelves of books, three of them are non-textbooks. Mm. One of them is a, a poker book. Nice. Doyle Bronson's Little Green Book. I have that. Yeah. It's a good uh, book. Super uh, or something like that? What? Oh no, I got the the big version, the Super System. Oh yeah, Poker Super. Who did that one? No, it's a Super System, a course in power poker. That's a Doyle Brunson one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and then I have Speak Like Churchill. Ooh. And then I have Make Your Bed Every Morning. That's uh the McCuskey. the guy that gave the UT commencement address. Yeah, he was like a four or five star general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like him for the reason that my wife, Kelly, thinks I should make the bed every morning, and I don't. <laughs> and she talks about getting a win. I said, yes, but I also don't, shouldn't waste the time and could get other things done. And it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. win opening a book than making the bed. Yeah. Personal opinion. The one that it, it like I, I love the the sentiment though because no I I, I kind of had this thought the other week where like obviously being a graduate student a full time graduate student is like this weird intermission between like being a contributing member of society hmm. and just like having to do a lot of work all the time at random hours of the day and night um, certainly like yeah we we complain more than we should certainly but um i used to drink obviously you know this i used to drink monsters all the time and that was like my go-to thing and now i've been now my my morning win has been getting out of bed and making coffee instead okay and it's just like a i'm saving whatever two bucks a day but then like i make the coffee and it's like this weird switch. You're like, okay, day's starting. I wait for the coffee to do. I'm like, well, while I'm waiting for the coffee, I might as well make breakfast. And then I make breakfast and I'm like, well, eat breakfast, have coffee. I'm like, well, I guess I could uh, get dressed and start working. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm up at whatever, 4.30. I have breakfast in me. 
have my coffee in me. I might as well go to the lab real quick, get a lift in before I, uh, before I have to work all day. And it's like this, just, I love, I love the sentiment of like these compounding small wins that end up to being a productive day. I'm a huge mindset person with that. Like I used to be an early morning workout person, but now I've found I enjoy more of getting up, making my coffee, all the coffees, you know, brewing in the French press. That's when I take the dog for a walk. Then I come back and we go downstairs and we either read or we work on putting, getting a podcast published. And I, I'm not up as early as you. Um, yeah, I like to get up stupid early. I'm up at five mostly, but not 4.30. Uh, but I like on the days that I don't have to go into work super early. Um, if I can get an hour and a half, two hours of work of some kind done, the mindset of that, I just, I'm that much farther ahead than everybody for the day is huge for me. Um, I think that's important. And, you know, for me, it's the experience of drinking coffee and getting busy and getting after it. It's, yes, I'm not condoning energy drinks, but I'm not opposed to them either. But I, if I've got a night that's free, like this evening, like if it's a certain type of thing, I'll crack one open. And it's a mindset of like, get there, get it done. Like yeah. we're going to be really productive or it's the, we're going to pour a little glass of bourbon or whatnot. And we're going to read and we're going to get a bunch of stuff done. It's going to be relaxed and it's going to be good, but we're going to be really efficient in that mindset. Like if you do watch the video of this, like I've been blessed. Thank you to have a, the greatest home office. I could ever think of behind me oh, and just spreading everything out and having a conference table and the whole bit. Like I had found nothing more productive for me than being able to swing around to that and spread things out and just get things going. It just, it's that whole act of getting it done. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to ignore something that's in front of you. Well, that and even like you said, you got a home office now. Yeah, this is so nice. You go in there, and that's you're you're going in there to get something accomplished. It's not in your bedroom, it's not in your living room. That was that was honestly the hardest part about. I have the same couch that I had in Fort Worth, and the hardest part about trying to work at home is like if you're in these, I guess for lack of a better term, like transitionary spaces, like living room, bedroom, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to like have this habit of because it. You, just like they say, it's hard to work in the same place you sleep or whatever. Um, it's hard to work in the same place that you like relax. And I think, I think it's, I'm not huge on like everyone who says like, Oh no, this place is only for this. Right. But at some level, like if you're only doing one thing in one place, you're going to be in the kind of mindset to do that thing when you do it in that place. So I try not to even watch videos like, just do YouTube stuff if I'm going to do that or just like putz around on the internet, I'll look, work on my phone and just sit on the couch because I want this to be like my workspace. Yep. Um, yeah. I've been uh, kind of changing a little bit, but I wanted to hear your remarks on this. So I, I came up with this idea because I am such of a, like I'm not a morning person per se, but if I get out of bed, it, it doesn't matter what time it is. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Um, it's just getting out of bed that's hard. So I guess that makes me a morning person no. as soon as my feet hit the floor. If I, can, if I can get myself out, I'm okay. If I don't, then I struggle. And I will hit snooze as many times as anybody else. Yeah, same. I set like 10 alarms a day. Yeah. But I've developed this theory, for me at least, that it seems to work out pretty solid. Is that like, in my head, three hours of work at 7 or 8 p.m. is about as productive as like an hour and a half or two of work in the morning. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times now, now that I'm here, and I mean, this might not work once I know more people and have more like social things to do, because I do think that's an important part of any any advanced degree is like the people you meet because those are going to be your collaborators for the rest of your life. But 
a lot of nights I get home at like six or seven, make dinner. I might read something or watch a couple, like an episode of something on Netflix. Yep. I notice I'm not being productive in that moment. I'll go to bed right away. And I'll get up at a ridiculous time, like 2.30. Because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be like extravagant, but I can, I can, I can handle myself on five, six hours of sleep. Preferably I, I aim for six, six and a half. Um, so if I go to bed at seven o'clock, I'm like, Oh, I can sleep seven hours and wake up at two o'clock and start the day. Is that nuts? No, I, well, depends who you ask. No, um, I agree. I think there's certain people, and I can't remember what they call it. Um, it's like your sleep animal or something like that. I've looked at this before a little bit, but certain people just function better at different parts of the day. I am not a night person. That is not my creative time. That yeah. I am tired from the day. I am zapped. I am a get up early and get it done. That is when I can get my best work done. Um, so what I found, and it's a little different case than yours because being married and significant other. Yeah, I have no commitments other than school. Right. I would I would be very much like you if I were still, if it was just me. Um, but I would prefer, and this was how I was back in school, like was studying. I got so much more done in the morning. Because at night, I would get to a point where it's like nothing is being absorbed. I'm just looking at it. What's the point? Unless I was actively like working on something where I could tangibly like have something physical that produced out of it. I should just go to bed, get a good night's sleep, and get up and start over again. Because it's going to be that much more worth it. Um, for me, what I try and do is get all my heavy-duty stuff out in the morning that requires some thought and thinking and developing and try and do more like remedial stuff in the evening. So I'm huge on taking notes. Like I'm kind of weird with it where like I'll read a book and I'll highlight or mark all the things that I want to jot down and then I actually go back and like type it out and then put it into a file so I can find it on the ready, which has actually been really helpful writing papers. Um, I do the same thing with research articles. Like I, that's one reason I've been falling in love with like a Mac is just within preview and everything you can highlight and put notes. And so I'll actually go back and type all that out to help retain it. But then I file it away in one note. And so I can go and find it on the ready, um, which has been really beneficial now that I've even got it better, but I'll do some of that note taking like later in the evening and I'll even throw on something low level in the background. I've, you know, movie that I find motivating, but I've seen a thousand times. So it doesn't, it's not like I actually have to pay attention to it, but it's just something that's there. Yeah. And I do that all the time with like the office or how I met your mother or things yep. I've watched a million times. That's not stealing my concentration, but it's certainly like filling the void. And I like movies that seem to, or shows that seemingly, you know, they're like going after something or it's, you know, like they're doing something cool because I find it relatively motivating. Like I love the social network, the movie, um, the Facebook story. Cause I haven't seen that. How cool, you know, it's like how these guys created it in their dorm and just spent like every waking hour developing it and me going, like, I never did that. Yeah. And I, Anything that I'm doing now would resemble that, but there's, you know, cause I'm, I'm not going to program. That's not what I'm into, but you know, how many things could I have gotten done? And so those are ones where I try and, you know, take that little bit of motivation and knowing that what I'm taking notes on is going to definitely come back and it's going to save me half an hour down the line because I can just quick search in one note. There it is. All right done it's in there ready to go move on to the next thing um and it's been that's what i choose to do at night because i don't really need to pay attention to it but i can feel productive in getting it i'm a yeah i'm a pretty <laughs> no pun intended but it's like pretty night and day for me <laughs> like in the morning I, I think about it a lot when i'm like waking up 
I'm like, I mean, sleep is important. And certainly there's some evidence that like early mortality is linked with sleeping less than seven hours a night. I go for seven. That's always my goal. We go to bed pretty early around here, which is I usually my wife likes to go to sleep early too. On the the high end, unless it's like like a Saturday to Sunday is usually my day to like just bump it out for sleep. But other than that, like any day of the week, I'm usually setting my alarm for maximum of six and a half hours. Yeah. And then the later it gets, like I I tend not to set my alarm past six thirty. Oh, I, yeah, I'm with you on the weekends. Even on the weekends, unless we're out super late which happens once every four months. <laughs> when I come home. Yeah, right. <laughs> or some country concert. But, yeah, typically I like – because my wife also likes to sleep, so I can get up and have un- uninterrupted time around the house. Um, oh, so nice. Which and it's not, for me, I don't have a wife. I don't have a dog or a cat. But it's like just the, the small mundane – even this – I had this thought the other day. Cause I get quite a bit of emails from like students or Nick or people in the lab or collaborators that we're working with, former collaborators, whatever. I think even the lack of marketing emails I get from like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. is like just a, a weirdly satisfying occurrence of just like obviously marketing emails aren't going to be super helpful at 3 a.m. So they tend not to send them, but like that lack of just hearing the the Outlook email tone yeah. for four hours is like so motivating. And having the two monitors, I'm just like I have like usually my mo is I'll make coffee, I switch to a shake for breakfast because it's quicker and it's easier. Yep. Coffee, shake, shower, get dressed, and I come here. I usually put like a Joe Rogan podcast on. Um, and I, I've been like digging through the archive to find like Neil deGrasse Tyson was just on. So that's what I'm probably going to I got to go back and listen to it. He's fascinating to listen to. He, he just was on two days ago again. Yep, I saw he had a, a, another one. Um, uh, so that'll probably be mine for tomorrow morning, but I'll just like put that on. I, I mentioned this in our, our pre kind of recording deal. But I, I use a 42-inch TV for my secondary monitor, so I can have enough room to. It's basically nice to have two full screens of uh, space there, and especially with the. This is why one of the reasons I'll never go to Mac, the window snapping um, feature. There's an app on Apple that you can do that with. So just. Oh no! But I'll never do it. <laughs> I, I don't know how to use them. But whatever, uh, especially with the snapping feature where you just like drag it over and you drag it over and I have like a manuscript here that I'm reading and I'm like working on a manuscript that we're writing or I can have figures and it's, it's so nice to knock out four hours of work before most people get up. Right. Very satisfying. Oddly satisfying. It's also drastically more disappointing when you like get caught up in something that doesn't end up being productive and you're just like, I woke up at 2 a.m. It's now 6 a.m. and I've done nothing. Goddamn cat videos on. (laughs) All right. What else do we want to talk about? We've kind of covered the gamut so far. I was just going to (laughs) say. Yeah. Hmm. I think I think it'd be because we haven't talked about this for a while. I think it'd be cool because people are gonna I'm sure not many people are gonna see this, but some people are gonna see it and they're gonna have to ask the question whether they want to tune in for the next one. Uh, and because we haven't talked about it in a while, I think it would be interesting to hear from both of us what we kind of had for a vision for the future of barbells and bourbon. Ooh. I can start or you can start. I don't care. You sound like you've got something queued up, so go for it. I don't really, uh, but I had this thought. So people aren't going to know this, but he, Joel texted me 
was that Friday? And you asked me if I wanted to record on Sunday. Yep. Um, that. Yeah. And I've been I've been wanting to record. It's just it's hard to make everything work, um, and certainly that's an excuse because you have a, a busier life than I do. Grad students have this perilous feeling that they're busier than they are, or so I've been told by every mentor I've ever talked to. Um, but it, it's certainly true, like, you might not, like, even right now, I'm having fun and, like, this is rewarding, but I feel like I should be doing something else. Um, I think that's the grad student syndrome. I think it's a story of anybody that wants to make a difference and be productive in their life. Yeah, when you're not being productive, you feel guilty. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I, I've been pretty bad about trying to keep up with this and I'm glad he reached out and now we're talking about doing one either once every other week or at least once slightly, a month. Slight, yeah, at least once a month. Um, but what I see so we can exceed and get really, really under promise over deliver. Yes. What I see because Honestly, our name is a little bit misleading, it seems. We're just two guys who like barbells and we like bourbon. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think in the future, I, I had this thought today, um, literally leaving Sam's Club, and I was like, because I, I didn't remember we were going to record, and I was buying a bottle of rum that I just like, I usually have one drink at night. And I was like, oh, shit, I need a bourbon. Yeah. So I went and grabbed one. And I couldn't help but thinking about like what we were going to do with this podcast. And I think what would be kind of cool, um, because it's already been going that way, even today without us talking about it, kind of has been going this way. I think, I think it'd be an interesting kind of navigation uh, to instead of being just another like lifting podcast, yep. to have this be kind of a professional development and navigating professional habits type of thing within the context of uh, kinesiology for lack of a better term, like not kinesiology itself, but physical, physical disciplines like physical sciences or biological sciences, whatever you want to be, AT, PT, OT, mm -hmm. research, all physicians, all these different because there are plenty of podcasts that are just about nutrition or training. Um, and I, I certainly think we can still talk about those things, but even tonight it's clear that like both of us just kind of have this idea that we have the ability to disseminate information about professional development and habits, lifestyle. Uh, it's okay to not work all the time. It's okay to not be sure how to do something. That's why it's important to have collaborators. Um, and we can have, we can certainly like have our group on and we can have one of them talk in their, their background and their ideas about nutrition. It can certainly go that way. But I think it would also be interesting to overlay this idea of how did you get here? Uh, what are some things you think were helpful for you? What are some things you wish you knew when you were doing your PhD or your master's yeah. undergrad, things like that, especially with the one, I guess that's not a name, especially with like doc, like, yeah. well, how the hell did you navigate med school and then still come out so motivated and happy and <laughs> yeah. wanting to build something? Yeah. Well, the, the story, I, I'll, I'll save this for him, but the story he told me about when he was uh, a resident, I think, and the offer he got versus like turning it down and because he wanted to do something more, it just blew me away. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I see this being. And it's, it's just as a general, like, I guess a lifestyle podcast might be the best way to say it, but lifestyle being like a professional lifestyle. No, I agree with you. I think I like that idea a lot. I think given where I'm going, um, especially, and we can get into this for another one, 
Um, you know, with you moving away, uh, we had obviously the Clinically Press podcast, and then because I'm just a glutton for punishment, I started up an athletic training one too that I got to keep hammering away. This was a good excuse for me to keep in contact with you because we have good conversations and at the same time drink bourbon, which is also one of my. Oh, Kelly, I have to. It's yeah. marvelous bourbon. It's business. Like, we got to get a sponsor and then it'd be really good. Um, anywho. No, I like that. I think because when we first kind of talked about it, it would be kind of more of a, like a no holds barred. Like we're not going to just MF everything and anything because I don't think either one of us come from that kind of camp where it's, you know, well, this is the only thing and this is what it has to be and um, all of that. But that the unique perspectives, but I like the idea as we're, you're going through what you're doing. Uh, we know a lot of people that went through some interesting things and what they're doing. Obviously, what I'm figuring out, um, I could go on a rant, but I won't tonight because it's late enough. But just looking at some of the stuff I want to do in the field of athletic training to help level said playing field with coaches, <laughs> perceptions. Um, no, I like that idea a lot where, you know, if we have a topic, we can – just because something came out, we can give our piece of it, and also around these things as we continue to evolve. And where 27 listeners or however many people like us on Facebook right now, if there's certain things, um, it'd be fun to do like a Q and A too sometime. Yeah. You know, with students that you know or whatnot, and we'll have to figure out how to make that happen, but. Be, that would be fun to do and just see, you know, not that, I mean, what, you're 25? 25, yeah. And I'm only 33, so it's not exactly like we're old in the game, but you've seen a lot in your experiences and done some pretty freaking cool things, and I think I figured some stuff out. Um, I've been out of the D1 game for a while, but I know that it would – be interesting if I was going to go back, had an opportunity, decided not to do it, but just the perception of value on yourself and different things, I think it could be, it could, there could be a lot of really good conversations with that. So I like to. Yeah. But I still think like we're, we're bound to have just knowing you and knowing me and the connections we have, we're still bound to have like coaches on talking about their philosophies and stuff, sure. but. I think overlaying that that idea of how do you navigate your space, what do you think is important to know uh, for somebody joining that space, what are some tools that you thought were good and were bad, what are some tools that you didn't really know of but were really helpful, things like that. Because I think there's enough information out there and there are enough podcasts out there for people to learn about how to make a program or how to navigate nutrition, but what's that? I said, yep, I, I agree. Yep. Um, that I think we could offer a slightly different thing that even if we end up not ever reaching more than a hundred people in a podcast. Exactly. And for everybody that listens, it's still going to be valuable for the people who do hear it. Literally just an excuse to get together to talk and we figure we might as well go with it and I honestly love the, our intro song so it gives me a reason to listen to it and that <laughs> was fun to put together and we got to get make character caricatures and it was it was all worth it so yeah which that being said I think I think I can talk to that uh, professor that we were talking about because that's certainly right up his alley he uh, this might be foreshadowing might not be depending if we can get him on next time but we were talking about a professor that I'll leave nameless just in case he doesn't want to come up. Uh, but he's the highest, like he teaches the, I, I believe, so don't get mad at me if this isn't true, anyone in the kinesiology department at this school. But I believe he teaches the highest load in the department. Um, certainly, I believe as a professor, uh, a clinical track professor he does, um, and then also has the highest advising load 
in the department. And out of any of the people I've met in academia, he reminds me a lot of Matt Andre. Yep. He just, like, certainly interested in research and passionate about trying to find some information and helping people. But that interest in helping people has led him to sacrificing on that research maybe a little bit and just being there for undergraduates who, and graduates, like he was, he was a rock for me throughout my whole master's program. Um, I first showed up to TCU, my normal routine was to do some training for this uh, study that we were running, a training study, and then I'd go up after our first training session, have coffee and to kind of shoot the shit with him. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to hear what he has to say as far as advising and um, for those people. Cause they're, I honestly didn't know that this was a common thing because obviously my interest is research, but uh, talking to people, I've met quite a few more people than I'd expect who would just want to do advanced degrees to go into teaching. I w I've got several questions I'd love to ask that person just on the advising side of it and what they see and how they go about it, just in terms of what I see on a daily basis with our undergrads and graduates, I, that would be a great episode. I'm gonna call them after this. Perfect. Well, that anything else you want to cover on this one? I feel like we've got a- yeah, I feel like we got a pretty good episode here. Podcast here for taking a hiatus yeah i mean especially i don't know how interesting it's going to be for other people but i, I think i think it's interesting that we have this record now of a expectations of timeliness with posting b we have this idea of what because this isn't to be fair not a normal conversation to have with like a friend like whoa what are you interested in doing what are you hoping to do Right. You can kind of infer based on some conversations, but we have this now, which is a, a nice thing that we can hold each other accountable for and kind of encourage each other to do things. But also, I think it's really interesting that we end up having uh, this similar idea of what we want this to be without having talked about it. And this is being, we had talked about it about a year ago, but... <laughs> Right. completely flipping and agreeing upon a different thing. Yeah, I think we're good. Sounds good. Well, thank everybody, all two of you, for watching. Uh, hopefully in two weeks' time, you'll see another one from us with hopefully, I think I can say this without being descript, but Philly E-Town being on the podcast. <laughs> um as always, just drink some bourbon and lift some barbells. Cheers. <laughs>